please hit like, share, and subscribe. Now enjoy the Practical Guitarist Podcast. You know, it's it's like when you go on a diet and you need some <laughs> chips and you go, you know, what? I'm going to have a little bit of chips and yeah, then go so back on a diet. A rat's bane and a tumness. <laughs> and I bought, yeah. So so uh, for those who may not have heard, I got a rat's oh. bane. I actually got, um, <laughs> I got a rat's bane. I got a tumness and I got um, That's some chips, uh, man. That's the like fender. Well, yeah, I, I figured if I'm going to go in, may as well get chips fries you know the whole thing because i'm going back yeah, no diet. shit man like you got a steak so <laughs> yeah and uh the um and of course i got that fender i figured you know what and i got that fender uh uh amp for practice but i gotta tell you the thing is slowly becoming a, a really like a wet dry wet wet thing i'm looking at so mm-hmm. anyway um which would be cool once I once I start. So you and I got to talk after this about Easy Drummer because I really need to start putting some beats down because that's all that's stopping me from from recording some videos. Because <laughs> yeah, we have to do we have to do our own music, and I, I want to send you my raw footage from my uh, from that demonstration I'm going to do. You should. Um, Three hours. So, so um, yeah, I I you know I'm going back on my diet. I'm but the other thing is, and this is the but because. I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to sell any gear, right? That That's the dumb side of things. That's when you start selling it. Unless you get what, ex- everything you paid for it or more, that's dumb. It's just dumb, especially in today's market. I want to talk more about the used market um, later. Uh, but um, I, I'm sitting here going, you know what? I'm sick and tired, really, truthfully sick and tired of um, uh, the excuse of getting um, gear is because gear is limiting me. And the gear wasn't limiting me in that I wanted something else. I wanted a sound I wasn't getting. And so um, I can get it with the Marshall cranked. Okay? I can get it. The problem is I'm gigging with a Fender Blues Jr. tweet. So, I mean, you know, lacquer. So, or the, the twin. So, I, I mean, I would have to take the Marshall, which I don't mind, and the Captor X so I can bring the volume down. Anyway, um, so the other thing is, and you and I were talking, I'm looking at a fuzz pedal. I, I really want a fuzz pedal. Yeah, you and, got one now. But I kind of got it. The Ratsbane is really, really good. Um, I got to tell you right now that the Ratsbane into the Tumnus is a thing of a religious, it's a, it's a religious experience. You're out of frame, by the way. You're way over. Your man, you got to Do you want me to move the like... frame? I can move the frame. Oh, no, no, no. I don't literally, I literally... Zoomed in oh. on your on your face. Your face is yeah, all no, I have. Yeah, and there's I no clock. need. Like I set the shot up perfectly. All you have to do is cut off the green corners and you're done. No, no craziness. Well, I'm trying it's to make fine. it so so the 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 aspect ratio of uh, that is this way, but the aspect ratio of OBS pulls everything in. I don't know why. It depends on it depends on how you have the frame set in OBS and stuff. We can talk about that later. Not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um. I just won't move I, or I can do this and get completely out of the way. And 
Yeah, I'll have to move the frame thing. Um, people will see that I just moved you out of. I literally pulled you off the screen and back in to see how it looked and, and what it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. So I don't. I don't care if you bought gear. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm actually really excited about the Rats Bane too. It will be on my list of things to get this year. That pedal sounds so damn good in every clip I've heard. Um, and whether you like it or not, Jim is not really all that relevant to me. And this, uh, the way I'm going to use it is going to be different. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. What you do with it. I'm getting, I am getting, uh, what's funny. I just want to say this is I am getting a near like cranked Marshall sound out of that thing, pushing the tumness just a little. And the tumness is set up with just a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the rat is supposed to sort of emulate old British sounds. Yeah. There is one pedal to do a better job than that, though, and that's the, the governor. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. And, um, you, I mean, they're governor clones, too, but uh, like the, the um, Angry Charlie. But I don't think they're as versatile as a rat. So right. um, they do the Marshall in the Box thing. And you've had one. You had the, uh, uh, the Angry Driver. Uh, they I do did. the Marshall in the Box thing pretty well, but it's – but. They don't do a fuzz. They don't do a light drive, which the rat can do all of those. That's right. And the way that Wampler voiced it, it doesn't matter whether you're like singing. cat, by the way. What's that? It's like cat oh. making a huge noise in the kitchen. Because he heard about a rat and he's looking for it. Man. Yeah, he's looking for the rat, he's like, probably. He's like, where? Well, he's the rat's bane. He is. So rat's bane <laughs> literally means rat poison, which is cool. Um, but, yeah, uh and so, like, like I was talking about before, really the only thing that's been holding me back from these videos is the fact that I just can't make a drum beat. I don't know how to do it. I, I have the stuff, and I could drag a snare into a spot, and I could drag a kick drum into a spot, but I want it to have a little bit of life, and, it, and it's, it's just, I may as well just have, like, a, you know, like, I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, like, Donkey Kong, and that's all I'm thinking of. It's like just just oompa music, only at midi. Really Do you know what's really funny is people when they when they start doing drum programming the first time, they don't realize like a lot of times it's just hi hats on eights or sixteens with an open every every two notes and then like a snare on two and four with maybe a little bit of you know ghost notes here and there, um, some typical just like look at your drum rudiments like your flams and just build a beat that actually sounds like some dude playing the drums. And then all you do is you randomize it. I mean, it really is not that hard. And it's more about randomizing velocity than, than cause like people are like, well, it doesn't swing. Listen, you don't play good enough rhythm to know whether it's swinging or not. Anyway, <laughs> I, I can tell you, I hear a lot of people that I, I was out at open mic tonight. I can tell you all about people that don't have rhythm. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I'm just laughing because you're, because I'm not pointing the finger at Jim, but I'm like, I know I've heard people are like, well, you can't program drums because it doesn't swing. And I'm like, I, I Rick Beato did that video where he's like, well, it doesn't swing like the real thing. And then he artificially swings it and he does it like in such a way that it's super over the top. And it's like, dude, just just shut up like you've yeah. never done this before in your life um because he records real drummers right i mean right. he's probably not doing a lot of program drums no, so that's not, not and i and i don't thing. put right I, we're not slamming rick beato for not it, it he he's used to record really really good drummers and i'm sure that if a shitty drummer shows up with the band guess what rick does 
yeah, um, can you come down and re-record this part? Yeah, we won't tell the band. Yeah, I'll give you a thousand bucks or whatever. I am willing to bet that there are a lot of dudes in Nashville that all they do is drag and drop drum beats all day long. And uh, you have one of the best drum softwares on the planet for just like composing stuff with prepackaged right, patterns and manipulating those prepackaged patterns. Yeah. Um, so that's something we can talk about too. But if you want, we can do it in a remote session. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, there's two big bombshells this week, and I want to cover the first one really, really bad because I sent it to Jim as soon as um actually it was sent by uh one one of the other uh one of the people from our community, right? And they were like, "Look at this bombshell video!" It's like all the influencers, and it's not really all of them. It's the major guys in the guitar community, basically saying we are influencers, and so therefore we get product for free, and we disclose that to you. And then we review that product. And listen, um, I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to say I'm a fan of most of these guys in some way, shape or form. But like, I'm not. These are not the worst offenders. First off, let's let's be real clear. Although the Tone King is in there and the Tone King freely admits that in the early days, I wasn't disclosing this at all because there was no law against it. And I want to be like, dude then you should go back and you should label those videos or put something into the comments at least. That suggests- you know, that's that's what Robert Jackson did. He went back and he said, I'm putting it on all my videos whether I have it in there or not. Well, you know what? And, that, and, and it, that's another part of it. Like, I think almost to the point where just having a blanket statement that's part of your comments is enough. But I mean, I don't know how the law is, I don't know how the law is situated. We have never had product donated to this show that we reviewed that like we solicited or anything like that um i did get sent the wristbands i talked about them on the show um in fact i said i was sent them so if you remember that that happened um we've got the way that's right and we we definitely said that every freaking time matter of fact we had over a year where we announced about the fact that that Nick was was supporting the show, and you've still got a shot to do on that. You've still got one of those to do. Yeah, I, I'm I'm uh, waiting actually on my side. I know pick up COVID. Out with yeah, I know COVID start. has been a really tough thing on this, and that's why this this slowed down. But um, yeah, um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. But here's the deal, right? So there's a couple of things about this video that were really icky to me, and number one was um, everybody feels like feels like like used their segment. And I would say for the generalization, you watch them all, you'll see who's who. Yep. I'm not doing anything wrong. No one disagrees with you not doing anything wrong. However, you presenting yourself as an independent party and not a marketing agency is wrong. Because now, now I'll say the ones that have a strong brand, like these guys, 60 Cycle Hum, who are wearing their shirt. So, you know, I'm not like, I'm not divorced from this whole thing like i, yeah, I have a 60 cycle come cup uh cycle hum cup i just don't uh, today i had myself you didn't myself have it yeah because they're going to do the vaccine special this week so Prepare. anyway so uh i that's terrifying um anyway uh because i know it'll be it'll be bad on both sides oh yeah it's gonna um, be way over the yeah, top yeah um so I'm not going to pretend like I don't have a horse in this race in the sense that I like some of these shows, but you can tell the ones that are like, they have a really strong brand and you can tell it's a marketing agency. Like they make, they make it very obvious that, Hey, I I got this. I received this in. 
maybe there's a disclaimer, maybe there's not, but but they're going to be real obvious and blunt with you. 60 Cycle Hum. Ryan does that every time. This company sent me these pedals. Let's take a look at it. Or and Josh still, Scott sent me this guitar. Fender sent me this guitar. And sometimes you will see in his videos that he's actually buying stuff with his own money. Yeah. But, and this is where things get a little iffy, and I'm not trying to be critical of him, but he's got a big Patreon supporter group that that, I mean, they're funded. And yeah. so when he buys like every one of these budget pedals, that's being paid by their Patreon. And so even though it's not being paid for by the company, like it's worth, I, I don't know, it, maybe for the mental health of people who watch those shows, it's worth it to admit like not every guitar player does this. I, I have money coming to me to make it possible for me to do this. Right. Specifically for that. Right. It's a fine line, and and that's what I was going to get at. So let's take let's take the Tone King because, unfortunately, I'm a New Yorker. So hopefully the Tone King would understand that as a New Yorker, I see him kind of like a used car salesman. Because for you from New York, you know, you go over to Jersey, you're like, hey, give me a break, you know? Well, hey, he's what's definitely up? one of and, the oldest too. So and he is, and he's been on there a long time. He's been doing it since. Geez, YouTube was a baby. When he was doing, I think Google had just bought it or was about to buy it when he started 2008. So, yeah, um, I'm not, you know, again, I'm not slamming the tongue king, Um, you know, but the but what I am saying is and he's just an example. okay, is that the tongue king's been around a long time. And if there's anybody who's got a big Patreon, tongue king's got a big Patreon. Right. He's got he's got such a big following. Tone king hasn't come out and said, stop using the word tone king. We're Tone King. So there's that. Um, And I think it's because of goodwill. He's got a lot of goodwill. Um, So, um, again, we get to that. I I don't think – I'll be honest with you. Looking at it from my point of view, I've never looked at a channel and said, wow, those guys really love that. They love it so much they bought it. I've never done that. Okay? Okay. I've always gone in with, I want someone else to demo this for me because I don't have access to see one or play one myself. So sure. I, need, I need someone to show it to me. And I get that. that I think one of them brought that up. <laughs> um, but I think that if you're going to disclose, like you said, you should say, or, or th- they should say, hey, this channel makes money. I make money. But I think that that's almost a given. I don't, I got to be honest with you. I think that anybody, people probably think we make money and we don't. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is why I say, but, but that's why I say this video that they put out is kind of silly because yeah, I think that's this is an assumed thing. But there's yeah. another, but there's another underlying thing I want to talk about, which I think is right. not an assumed But before, thing. before you get to the underlying thing, let me talk about the overt thing. And that is this. To me, that video came off like, what's a famous ad company? What's a famous advertising company? There used to be a big one that um, everybody, but anyway, um, they come across like an advertising company going, we're not in it. Like when, uh, um, did you ever see the the shills at Clorox when they, um, yeah. when it's, they it's, said, it's oh, bleach, yeah, bleach is good for you. It's an ad company saying, we're an ad company. We're an ad company, but trust their opinion. Right. No, you're an ad company. I, I trust I trust what I hear. Okay? And if I want your opinion, I'll watch it long enough to do that. Um and and 
I will ex- I will take your opinion no differently than I would take anybody else's opinion. And if you're not a stranger, I'll take it as a friend. If you're a stranger, I'll take it as a stranger's opinion. But And I'll take it as an opinion of somebody who sees a lot of this product. Like if I was looking, if I personally was looking for a, um, a reverb pedal, who, who better to tell you what a great reverb pedal is than, than Ryan Burke, right? Yeah. He, he, is, yeah. he is an expert, literally an expert on reverb. I would, I would put him up there with anyone. I mean, Josh Scott asked him he, to come over there to show reverb, to show all kinds of reverb. Mm-hmm. This guy is a true expert on that. There are, there are guys. And, um, you know, the Tone King is expert on stuff. And there's, there's different people that are experts on stuff. And, and to be a fan of their channel... Like when I watch Phil McKnight, whenever he talks about stuff where he fixes guitars, he talks about this is how you fix it, and I say, I want that opinion. I mean, for the I most part, that. That, for the most part, I think I think he's got a good um, a good shtick there. I, I mean, I've seen some things he's doing that I'm like, eh, right, it's kind of questionable, but um, but I've seen that on other channels too, so that's yeah, not yeah. that's not surprising. Here, here's the underlying problem. Yes, all of the things they say in the video are true. Uh, it paints them in a positive light, of course. But remember one thing. This industry is not filled with publicly traded, amicable companies. It's traded with it, – it's created with private builders, private owners, small companies, mostly, you know, 15 to 30-person operations. Your 100 to 200 people sales organizations are rarer. And then even rarer still are the big companies like Fender and Gibson who have, you know, major financial backing and those kinds of things. Um, the reason why I say this is because if you're Ryan Burke, and I'm going to use him just because I'm familiar with him, but just be, play along. Pretend it's John Doe. If you're Ryan Burke and you uh, get a pedal from Volatile Pedal Builder A and Volatile Pedal Builder A uh, doesn't like the way that you review his pedal, either because you say it sucks, or you say it's not as versatile as it should be, or that there's this other pedal that makes more sense value-wise and does the same things. Yep. Or, you know, like, let's say the the, the argument, of, this would be a great, great one. You should buy this Tube Screamer over this Tube Screamer because everybody makes a Tube Screamer, right? Let's say that that's the situation. So what is a, what is a Volatile Pedal Builder A going to do? He's going to go... Um, Ryan, I'm not going to send you any more pedals. And then the supply dries up for Ryan to review. And so that doesn't seem like a big problem at first because Brian's got 80, 90 pedals. But when you consider how close-knit this community is, Volatile Pedal Builder A might be friends with Volatile Pedal Builder B and Normal Pedal Builder C. And so the word starts spreading that Ryan kind of gave me a bad name. And maybe right. Pedal Builder C takes it with a pinch of salt, but maybe he doesn't. Exactly. And he says, no, I'm not really sure I want to continue that. And so you could see how this could turn into a, a wildfire real quick of, you know, drying up um, opportunities for right. Ryan to continue to inter- to, to uh, get free, free or reduced price product, depending on how you look at it, um, to do his videos. Now, I'm not going to disclose what Ryan charges. I I have a little bit of insight there, but there's my, you know, it, it, there's a little bit of money there. It's not it's not I it, it's probably much bigger than it was. Um yeah, it used to be 75 I, I bucks, told, I think. No, it, it was it depended they had different levels. Yeah. 
And it depended on what you wanted to do. But I know at one point, very in the early days, and this is as far as I want to go with it, it was send me the pedal. And yeah. I know that it's not send me the pedal anymore. No. But but that said, it shouldn't be, right? He's got, you know, he's got a platform with 20,000 followers or close to it. And he does not need another pedal. Right, right. Um, <laughs> so, and the funny thing is, I don't necessarily know, so things like the Affordaboard, right? That took off for their channel. And I don't think that none of that's been funded outside the Patreon. Right, right. So I kind of look at that situation and I go, well, at least most of it hasn't been funded outside the Patreon. Right. There was one company that sent them their whole line just recently. But like when you stop and you think about how that works, it it sort of makes sense that he doesn't really care if he's getting product from other people. That's right. Now, he he probably does to an extent, but I don't think it's, it may not be as significant as I'm pointing pointing it out to be here, but for for the intents of our viewers, like understand, temper your expectations when you go into one of those things. Judge for yourself. Listen with your own ears. Right. Realize that maybe the player you're watching and their styles of music that they're well versed in is probably going to help you make a decision about whether or not they can they can dial in the pedal to get what you're after. And then just you know, I think everybody already sort of does their due diligence, but also understand like I don't. Even I don't like buying pedals based on. Even I don't like buying pedals based specifically on, um. Somebody else's right demo of it, you know. Right. I can't and, tell you how many times I've tried stuff. I mean, okay, I'll be. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna name one that I got brought into the Joe Bonamassa of Les Paul. Um, he play. I was like, wow, that thing sounds great. I got it in. It sounded like ass through my rig. It just sounded like ass. And I couldn't get a good tone out of it to save my life. Now, did I try for months? No, but I did have it for three weeks. And <clears throat> I felt three weeks was long enough for me to tell, you know, um, Sweetwater that I wasn't I wasn't impressed. So um, I think um, what, what you just said, all of that, is is completely 100% accurate, number one. Um, I think what happens is we have, how do I say this? We have more older people joining the community than we ever did, okay? And oh, yeah, so, I think so. Yeah, and so, um, and I, even though I'd been playing guitar a long time, was one of those people because I didn't use a lot of pedals. I mean, when we started this, what did I have, four? Right. Well, I mean, you told me like the other day that back, you know, probably 19 or not 19, 2000, uh, what, 17, 2016, around when we started the show, you didn't have PayPal. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't. I didn't. And to, to so, put it in perspective, you yeah, know. I didn't trust online. Um, well, not online banking. I've been online banking for years. See, I told you, this is why I wear a hat, guys. My, my <laughs> hair does not want to stay under my. That's OK. Look at mine. I got I got random strand day up here. I just don't like it when it gets in my face. That's all. So, I mean, the, and the, and I've got this one. It's right here. Yeah. He wants to go. He wants to go. He's like, ah, I'm coming in. You're not coming in, Mister. It's like Tom yeah, the Cruise. Worst what Tom people Cruise don't understand is when you're wearing headphones for a long period of time and you've got hair like sticking down or whatever. It just yep. it's, it's it drives it, you bananas. It drives you crazy the whole show. Oh. <laughs> so anyway, this this is what I was going to get at. Is this? So let's say. Um, you know, I think we're seeing more 50s, 60s, and 70-year-olds joining the community than ever. So I'm 50 years old. And 
as a 50 year old, I walk in or 60 year old, whatever. Um, and I, and I walk over and I go, I want a pedal that does what so-and-so did. And I'm 50. So it's probably, um, uh, Frampton or yeah. Yeah. I'm in my forties. So it's Cantrell. I want to, I want a Jerry Cantrell pedal. And, and it's like, you don't even know how to play, um, hot cross buns and you're, you're already looking to get Cantrell's st- You do realize, and, and it's hard to tell someone that, that, that that's not something you get from a pedal. It's something you know, that it's not oh. in a box. Like you're not going to buy it and suddenly have that. <clears throat> right. And we've talked about that. And there's the whole, the whole tone is in your fingers thing, which I think is, is semi bullshit. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. There, there's some truth to that. Uh, I think people, I think people mistake tone and technique, you know, but yeah. 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 Tone with phrasing and voicing and all the other stuff, the technique stuff. But, um, it, there's also that, that thing about when you're dialing, like most of your, most of your noobs aren't going to know to, to mess with their volumes, knobs on their guitars or the, how, how sometimes you have to mess with more than just the pedal, the pedal is an ingredient. Um, I had it, it um, a great Joe Bonamassa interview. I can't remember who the heck he was interviewing. He was interviewing some blues musician I'd never heard of, and I didn't care. And but the point is that this person actually had a good good thing analogy, and that was he said that um, he looked at it like like ingredients in a soup. You have like a stew, and you're throwing ingredients in there. If you have eight potatoes then you might need more of something else to offset the fact that t- potatoes are bland. Or if you have um, this much oregano, you know, you need it. And so a good soup, uh, uh, he was talking about, what's that guy, Ramsey? Is it Gordon Ramsey? He's talking about Gordon Ramsey and how Gordon Ramsey would, would taste the thing. And he knew exactly what there was too much too little of. And I remember it, it brought me back to when I saw Barry Manilow the first time um, when he was talking to, I got to see the sound checks thing. And he had the, the women, because I don't know if you know this, but on a lot of his early albums, he sang all of his parts, right? So when he got backup singers, he added them to his stage show um, and he had them on his stage show. Uh, he he um, had all these people, that, these women are standing behind him, right? And they're all singing. And he was like, he, he pointed to the one, he said her name, and he said, uh, you're slightly off. I'm like, how the hell did he know she was slightly off? Everybody else. I mean, I'm sure it's because it, looking back now, I know he knew her part and everything else. But to, but to know the exact harmony in like a, he had a he had 12 women on the stage. And he knew exactly her. her yeah, eight women it's, and, you know it's what like I mean? trying to figure out which string is out of tune in a chord, you know? Right. Um, but you, you've got a sitar and you're trying to figure out which one of those things is going right. on, you know? And, and my point is that, that hard enough with six. <laughs> yeah. But, but if you take an, amp, it might be, Oh wait, the amp has too much bass or the amp has too much gain or the, you know, or the guitar is pushing a little too hard. Um, or I'm using a, uh, I'm using a humbucker and I should be using a single coil. Um, and the, those kinds of things, it's hard to tell somebody who's 40-something years old who spent their whole life, let's say they were a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, 
Um, and they spent their whole life knowing that kind of thing in the field that they're very good at. Right. And suddenly they've got, <clears throat> especially must be frustrating when somebody walks in with like, you know what? I want that. Uh, I want that Gibson Les Paul standard or custom. And I want this $5,000. And I've got, I've only got about um, $20 or $200 left for my amp. What have I got? You know, we've talked about that before. We've talked about that. I mean, and that's that's a realistic thing. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't help when you've got these, you know, celebrity reviewers, which we'll, right. we'll call them influencers, essentially. Um, you know, with the Ferrari sitting behind them. Right. And I mean, like, uh, what's it, Robert Brown or you no? Know, Robert Baker. Brown. Baker. Baker. Robert Baker's got behind him, you know. Hey, look at my rev and my, you know, and it's like, okay, but, you know, obviously most people don't start with that kind of money. Etsy, And there are your reviewers. There are your reviewers that are on the other side of the fence that, you know, are at the super low end of the market. Ryan does the affordable board and there's Guitar Max and and other people have done it too. I I mean, um, even uh, Philip McKnight has done some really budget stuff. I just I take my my biggest red flag is when we say super budget and the words good for the money come out because look I don't I don't have a problem with saying good for the money like I understand that there's that there's a price bracket right right but I think I think people tend to hear good and not for the money and I also think people have an unrealistic expectation of what good for the money actually means. And I can say this because I have played people who have, and and some of our show listeners, some of them aren't. So you know, I'm not I'm not singling anybody out, but I played a lot of guitars and people are like, oh, that's good for the money. And then they hand it to me and I'm going, dude, I can buy a Square Classic vibe for like a hundred dollars more than this. Yeah. That's good for the money. This is, you know, what? Yeah. Um, and I've had that experience a lot. And like, if it works for you, great. But I'm just saying, like, let's temper our expectations a little bit. Let's be realistic about some of this stuff. And that's what I think. So, like, when somebody – you and I had the conversation, I think, last week. We were talking about the Astroton fuzz, Astrotone fuzz from um, yep. Analog Man. Yeah. And Because I, I was surprised at the price but there's, no, but there's a lot of hype behind this stuff. And everybody's like, oh, my God, it's so expensive. Somebody asked me after your conversation – they go, how much did you pay for your King of Tone? And I was like, 270 bucks. And they had like this, what? I right. Think I think it was 270 Because because he doesn't, like, it's not a $500 pedal from him. And you got a couple of, you got a couple of options on that, right? You got one or two options? Yeah. 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 And it would have been without the options, what, 240 or 220 I think it was two, I think it was 270 without option. I think I paid 300 even. Okay. Yeah. Shipping. That makes sense. Yeah. But, um. But but that was the point. Is like it's, it's a two hundred seventy dollars retail pedal. Yeah. Let's stop acting like that's super expensive now, right? Because there are things that are worth. I mean, look at anything Vemuram puts out. You know, right, right. Um, oh I my gosh, aware of the pricing of Vemuram, and then and now you've got other high end brands in the market. Um, of course, Strymon's been around forever, but you've got um, uh, UAD. With their pedals now, I mean, it's like I'm not expecting a beginner to go out and buy the Strayman Mothership, you know, in, right. a, in a custom shop Strat, 
And we've never been like that on this show. And and I'm I'm still not like that. I, I'm looking at okay, Jim. I don't know if I shared this on the show, but I know I've talked to you about it. I, I talked a couple episodes about maybe getting a Tom Anderson. Yep. So I went and I got a quote. And I don't think I'm buying a Tom Anderson because they're four thousand dollars. Yeah. And I'm going four thousand dollars for a strat that doesn't have the Fender logo on it, which means that it's not gonna have the resale value. Yep. Um no, 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 thanks. Don't think I'm gonna do that. Uh would yep. be much better off buying similar parts from Warmoth. I won't get the fancy neck carve. Not the neck carve, but the uh the joint. But hey, you know, beggars can't be choosers. And you know, quite frankly, the bolt-on neck has worked in the regular configuration for fifty plus years already. So you could you could buy for half that money. You could buy the best freaking G and L on the used market out there. Yeah, I just could buy, about I mean, half that money. Basically, whichever one I want. But here's the issue: I have very specific ideas about the neck shape and things like that that I want. And since G and L was always built to order, that's going to be kind of a problem. Listen, ultimately, it comes down to I have to find something that's better than what I already have. But the Tom Anderson, like when you get into that end of the market, even for me, being a what I would consider a semi-professional and I a semi big capital letters, semi-professional musician like that's a lot of bread. And I know people at my level who have guitars like that. And quite frankly, I think it's kind of embarrassing because like. You have that much money, and usually, and the funny part is they usually have that, and then they have like you know that boss katana, a deluxe, a deluxe reverb, or, or you know, yeah. and it's like, so a I Fender would, Pro I mean, Junior. I honestly, so you know, people talk about buy a really expensive amp and a shitty guitar, um, and I don't really prescribe that there. I think half and half. Yeah, I think if you go half and half, like two thousand on the guitar, two thousand on the amp and yeah. cabinet, like yeah. you're gonna be in you're going to be in good shape. You know, um, it's going to be really hard to screw that up. And yeah, that's you, the thing I realized about my Mark five. You, you know, people, Oh, you can't dial them in. They suck. You know, they're really hard to dial in. Listen to me, listen to me right now. I can dial that thing 10 ways to Sunday. You put the right overdrive pedal in front of it and away you go. And right now, if you heard my, if you heard my tone without my drive on, it probably sounds like a wet rag, but turn that drive on away i go and i use the volume knob for everything and i mean you you watch the last live stream it works so what's the i mean i don't have a bogner uber show behind right? me although i did get an offer to get traded for uh, for an ecstasy for my uh, my kemper um mm. and i and i considered it very briefly um that is nice but well, yeah, it is. But it's 100 watts, man. I know, I know. And and, and I was saying the same thing. You know, I, I, so you and I both talked about this. I'm probably going to go with the small uh, um, Jubilee. Yeah, uh, and it's a, you know what? Name. It's a great freaking amp, and I might I'll end probably, up with one eventually at some point too. Yeah, and I'm thinking I'll get the Jubilee head with the two by twelve um, cabinet, and uh, that'll be it um, because. You won't, need the, the, you won't need the one you've got, the DSL, no. after you've had that. No. Because that thing sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that will be a total replacement. The, the truth of the matter is it'll be a replacement. Um, I'll probably keep the DSL, but um, I'm going to throw the Jubilee on top of it. Um, yeah, if I, if I got rid of anything at that point. Problems. Yeah, if I got anything rid of anything at that point, it'd be the twin. But even then, I'm kind of 
I, I'm covering my bases. But here's here's the here's the rub. Here's the here's the the, the generalization. That's that's two thousand dollars. Actually, twenty seven hundred dollars for the the head and the cab. I probably could get a good enough discount. I might even be able to get into a used one for a little over two grand, depending on the time frame. But let's let's you're talk at, about you're looking at the fifty watt or the twenty five watt. The twenty five watt. That's not. I, it's not twenty seven hundred. It's more like no, more no, like it's fourteen. Yeah, for for that and the cab. I think so. Yeah, I thought that the the head was twenty. Uh, the twenty five five was. Uh, well, I'm looking at fourteen hundred, but I could be wrong. So this this kind of rolls right into what I wanted to talk about, and this is where um, you you watch these these people who are who are I don't want to say shilling a product. I I joke around a lot, and I know people are starting to take it offensively, and it's not the the folks that are that are pushing product. And I, I watch this stuff, and I think to myself. You know, self, because I call myself self sometimes. I'm like, you know, money wise, um, I I'm watching these guitar about 20, channels. About twenty four hundred bucks. Twenty four hundred bucks. Okay, twenty four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes that makes sense. And I could probably get myself closer to two grand. But well, the, their their cabinet is loaded with Celestin G12s. Yep. So if that's what you want, I mean, right. Otherwise, I, I would do a two by twelve for that. To be honest with you, yeah. I Otherwise, I might get a base, I might get a boogie. Um, a boogie. Uh, it's gonna be similar price if you're doing a two twelve. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, or I'll just get a one twelve cabinet and go from there. I mean, you know, the the truth, and I I know it doesn't cut it by half, not even close, but um, fifty four pounds. Yeah, it cut a lot of weight. So <clears throat> here's my here's my stick. My thing. So you take these influencers, right? And this is this is the thing I this is the message I want to send to influencers as a as a person who wants to be influenced. Okay. I watched probably before I bought the Ratsbane, I bet you I watched not all the way through, folks. I did not spend this much time watching them. But no. I watched snippets of because I only cared about how it responds to a because you know I was looking for something for my my humbuckers. Humbucker. So I wanted to see what it what it felt like with a humbucker. So believe it or not, I watched Wampler because he had, he was using an Epiphone. He was actually making it sound pretty good. Um, I'm sure he's got different pickups in that that Epiphone. I'm just sure of it. Um, but he used an Epiphone. He's using a 335 Epiphone. And uh, I watched some other folks. Um, the guy from, uh, from Toman uh, with the big hair, Andy or something. He, I watched him. Um, I watched, uh, Etsy. No, not Etsy. It wasn't Etsy. It was somebody else. Oh, Pete Thorne, somebody else. And I was like, wow, these guys are, these guys are killing it. They're making it sound good. And, uh, so I ordered it. I'm not going to tell anybody the price because now folks, before you think that I'm getting any money as an influencer, I don't, I'm military. Plus, um, I have relationship with folks. So I get a decent price for stuff. That does not mean that that uh, I can extend those prices or that you could get the same prices. But because I'm a retired military person, I get a certain discount in some places. And and because I have relationships with um, uh, vendors, I can get other prices. That's got nothing to do with, with 
um, being an influencer. Because I don't make any, I don't make any friggin' influencing videos. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> so I'm not trying to do that. So um, uh, my video uh, series is coming. We talked about that, you and I. Um, but the but um, here's what I'm getting at. So when I do when I do watch them, I had a little problem. I was watching, uh, uh, um, and I and I was Pete Thorne, and I was like, "Wow, that sounds really good." And he had an '80s Ibanez Destroyer from like Japan, and I'm like, mm. "That's awesome, Pete!" But I have no, no point of reference. I have no point of reference. I, I I'm assuming it it's a humbucker. It's going to act like a humbucker, but. Like when when um, uh, Wampler, because uh, I was looking at the Tumnus, and when Wampler showed the Tumnus off, he's he's got it with um, this handmade freaking uh, guitar into the his thing. The be the built. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, no, he doesn't have that, a built. He had a. Oh, I, um, you're you're talking about JHS. He's got the built. Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, and and I'm thinking to myself, I'm thinking. Um. You know, the one thing the pedal guys, the pedal show, that pedal show, the one thing that Dan and Mick do is they pick guitars that people have. Dan's got a telly. It's not oh, a I don't super know. He's, I don't know, man. Like, they're not off the I know they're not stock. At all. I no, they're, they're not custom stock. shop, too. Most of the time, they're really high-end guitars. Well, see, yeah, and that, that's my that problem. Telecaster is a custom shop from the 90s, and Mick's, like, Favorite Strat has been customized oh, his, to all hell. He's customized that several times, but it, um, I think they're probably uh, the closest uh, when it comes to a lot of these folks because it's not a Sir, it's not a. Um, they you know, they, well, they grab but, a lot of guitars off the rack too, right? And, that, and that's another like that's what I was gonna say. They're they're very good about like okay, so you think it's a guitar that sounds like this? Here, let's grab this other guitar and do the same thing. Um, and, and I feel it, like their videos aren't shilling as much because it's not like here. Let me show you. Let me show you this new pedal. It's no, like here. We're going to take a look at a variety of pedals that do right. this. Here's a bunch of fuzzes. As a matter of fact, I watched their Tumnus video, which was which was with a bunch of other um, clone clones, clone clone clones. Here's clones. Here's something that I really thought was this is kind of outside of it. And then I'll come right back in. There's a company that's calling their new pedal the Clone. K L O N E. So if you search for a clone, you'll find the clone because K L O N E. Well, Google will find clone but, but, based on but K L O N E has been the community terminology for those pedals for well, decades. Clone, clone. Yeah, and that's the other thing. It's kind of a. It's kind of become a. Um, what's the word I want when when a word goes dumb. into? Yeah, they're not dumb. <laughs> and, and so I'm a, I'm a little bit I'm like eh, it's a little disingenuous as far as what you're doing I'm not I'm not saying they're stupid that's for sure that's a pretty smart move I'm just saying that uh, it, it, it smells of of uh, a little too hard kind of so hard. so this is your first clone circuit you yep. watch the clone video from them yep how different did you find the different clone pedals that they shot out and i don't I got, know which exactly ones they use but like they use a lot just characterize, just characterize like how massively they different they were from one another not very that's true i mean it was there was a couple of them here's here's the thing that i found especially because they did a rat shootout too but they did it long before the rat spank came out 
Yeah, the rats are quite different. Yeah. Here's here's my thing. Some companies, even though Mick and and um, Dan are like, oh my god, I love the sound of that. Must have sounded better in the room because it sounded like ass through my freaking stereo. Um, <laughs> I I, and, I was and, like, they, and they're after different things too. That's like what you got to remember is when I hear people saying, oh, this is such a great distortion, but a lot of time I'm I'm listening to them going, man, there's a lot of three k three k there. Like, yeah, or. <laughs> Or um, it sounds broken, but it sounds too broken. You know what I mean? Sounds like the amp should be thrown in the trash, broken. Um, and not to the point that it sounds good, to the point that it sounds, you know, it's it's, it's kind of like a dog. Sound for that one single part on a record somewhere. And they right, only right. Get on for that one specific chorus, you know. Which is fine if you're buying something for a studio, but if you're buying something for use. Eh. And, and yeah. it, it kind of made me laugh because it reminded me of my dog. He's got such a cute, or he's got such an ugly face. He's cute because he's a pug, right? And so he's like, he's got this cute little pug face, mm-hmm. but, but it's also looks like somebody caved his head. <laughs> he's, I always call him toothache because he's got a little uh, twirly tail. So he's pig on both ends and dog in the middle. But um, so, uh, getting off, getting off of that, it, what I'm saying is that, um. I like the fact that they showed me eight different ones, even though the one I liked the best was the regular old Proco Rat. And that's what's funny. Yeah. So many companies, they had a JHS and they had a um they had a But it's a vintage but it's a vintage Proco Rat too, the LM three oh eight loaded original. See, that's the problem. And he even said you can't you can't get your hands on this. So that's why people are cloning it. And so what what I also found funny about this, and, and it's a generalization. I don't want people to get caught up in Jim's talking about rats. I don't I don't want that. Um, is sometimes companies try so hard, like Wampler, not to not to blow Wampler's horn here. Wampler does one thing. He's like, okay, I'm going to make a rat clone, let's say, or the Tumnus, which is a clon clone, right? And I'm going to make it sound like a clon or a rat. I'm going to make that. What you want is a rat or what you want is a clon, here it is. But if you click this little switch or you push it just a little bit harder here or you, you know, you dial this back a little bit. He steps back from the archetype and he says, how can we make this do something else? Right. Where you can still. But the problem with the other ones that I saw, a lot of the other ones, not all of them. I think JHS did that too with their, with their rat clone is that. And I know they did it with their clon clone, but he pulled that back because supposedly the clon guy was going to come back out. And he didn't, and he hasn't come back out with his. No, clon he, ha- he has. There's a KTR that is a clon. <laughs> oh, the KTR is back on them. Okay, he he had talked about the KTR about never the disappeared. They do it in a run. They do oh, it in small oh, runs. Oh, they make it in runs. Okay, that's why. Okay. Yeah, and then the KTR, the KT, the clon actually showed up. It was a limited run for charity. That's right. So that that's the one he pulled pulled off, and you can't get. That's like the Paisley Deluxe. They did a thing that's only, um, yeah, yeah. Well, he brought it back. He brought it back, and he made like fifty units, and they were going for like five thousand dollars a piece or some crazy nonsense. Of course, because a clon goes for five thousand dollars a piece. Well, you know they don't though. They go for about two grand, but yeah, um, they, they don't sell right, as high as right now. They're 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 hovering around two grand, and that's if you but, sell on eBay or Reverb. If you sell them in a store, you're gonna get yeah. You know, so yeah, so here was the problem I had with a lot of those pedals is they didn't do what the rat does. I understand doing more. I understand doing better. But you should still be able to do the rat 
and then do more. Because because if you're basing it on the rat or you're basing it on the clon or you're basing it on the, I don't know, uh, the fuzz face, right? Did they have that, did they have that Petty John rat? Yes. You, the you dirty, you dirty rat or something like that. I don't yeah. know what it's called. The Petty John one is pretty cool, but it's yep. not meant to be. It's built on that hard clipping rat circuit. Yep. So the, pro- the problem. And it, it sounded and- good. It sounded good. Everybody says, and the, the rat, the, let's pick on the rat for a minute. Everybody says the rat is the specific thing. Yep. And in terms of the circuit, like the rat's very much like, you know, a big moth for an overdrive pedal on the inside. It has some of the same principal features that the other ones do. So it's very easy for you to say, oh, it's a rat clone, when in actuality it can be tweaked to do an endless amount of things. For example, he taught Brian Wampler himself talks about modding metal zones right into rats into rats i'd love to you take know? my metal zone send it to him and say put this make a make a rat on this yeah yeah i i take my shitty metal zone and i don't mean shitty because it's it's a bad pedal i mean no, shitty it, because you've seen my metal zone it's beat to hell <laughs> that's yeah <what's, laughs> take my metal zone take your time send it back to me when it's turned into a rat because i want it to be a rat <laughs> right because I put my quote-unquote affordable board, which I'm trying to build, is just all the pedals I'm not using. So mm-hmm. I'm sitting here with with like, um, you know, I had to make room on this board. So I had to take the um, the Seymour Duncan that somebody gave me off. I felt bad about that, but I took it off. And so I want something where I can put that with the, with the Big Muff, with my SD1. Because the SD1 is another one that really, really screams. You can make it sound good, um, and uh, and the metal zone, or like maybe somebody could say, "Hey Jim, all you got to do is get your soldering iron out, put this here, solder this to this, and this to this, and you're done." Um, I was watching. Uh, um, we we think about mods with pedals all the time. We think about that all the time. And I was watching a, a documentary on Netflix about gaming. And, of course, they went all the way back to the arcades. There were guys yeah, building mods for arcade yeah. games. And selling so that, them. Yeah, and selling them to the arcades. Making lots of money selling them, too. Making millions. Because what it did was it made the game harder. Because once you figured out the pattern, Pac-Man was one of the big ones. Pac-Man yeah. had a pattern in the beginning. And so these guys figured out this mod. And, of course, back then you couldn't upload new software. So the, the whole thing was based on that chipset that you already had in place. These guys had these mods, and they figured out how to randomize and do all this other stuff. These were three engineers from MIT. Yeah, and, they were building them in their dorm room. And they were building them in the dorm room. It was such a cool thing. But I was like, wow, those are pedal mods, only they were this big. I mean, literally, I'm doing the Madonna thing here. but Yeah, yeah but, but, but what's going on in a pedal is a lot less significant than what's yeah. going on in some of those devices. Sometimes they're just putting light a... bulbs sometimes have more components. <laughs> yeah, sometimes in a pedal, it'll be... I, I, I haven't opened up my Blues Driver, my Wampler Modified Blues. I'm thinking about just taking the pedals, the, the Metal Zone, my SD1, sending them to Brian and saying, hey, Brian, if you ever get a bug up your ass... Could you mod these and then just charge me and I'll send them back? Because then I'd love to see what he does. Just do something with them. Do whatever you want to do with them. I don't care. Surprise me and send them back. Because that would be that would be cool. Just to see what he does. I'm not I'm not an engineer, uh, electrical engineer. I can 
I can change stuff out and I could follow dis instructions, but I don't know enough to like not know that I'm going to kill myself by removing the wrong ground or something, which I doubt very much you can do with a pedal. No, you can do but... you can't do that with a pedal, but there's no there's no high voltage going through a pedal. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's let's be real here. Let's stop for a minute because we've been talking about the rat's bane. I just want to mention a couple things. The Wampler pedal video is outrageous. If you haven't watched it, check it out. Um, honorable mention goes to uh, Pete Thorne's video is really good. And then what's the other one that I absolutely was like? It was yep. Mike Herman's. Yeah. If you haven't watched Mike Herman's video, that's the other one to watch because he just. He puts it through its paces. Honestly, like for me, I have problems with my sun face because it's always the battery is always dying because I don't have the battery mod done to it yet. I am gonna get that done. Just haven't sent my pedal off yet. Um, and I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna get the rat's bane to put it on my board in the interim, um, so that I can have it in the spot while I'm doing my thing until the sun face comes back to me. Um, and then when it gets back to me, I'll probably move it after the king of tone. But um, I think. As a jack of all trades pedal, I mean that. I honestly like as long as you only need one dirt, the rat spin's got you covered because it can do everything from like the super muffed out thing all the way down to regular drive and clean, so yeah. clean drive type stuff. Um, I think it's I think it's like honestly, it's one of the most versatile pedals I've ever seen, and and that's saying something because I think the rat in general is a pretty versatile pedal, but like this takes it to another level. Yep, we were talking about the JHS, so the JHS does the kilt. Um, so the kilt is actually a Bion a Bixonic Expandora, Bixonic, yeah. I think. Bixonic. Um, it's an, it's an Expandora, right? Yeah. And, uh, so the Expandora has switches on it that take it into different territories, but it's basically loosely based on the original rat circuit. And, um, the kilt is like an update of that. And then the rat Spain probably has some very similar features, to the Expandora in it, and that it has selectable gain levels, which is one of the things that the Expandora does. But he's using a uh, a really interesting chip. If you're into the geekery of this stuff, um, the the original rat was a LM three hundred eight. Yep. He did not source LM three hundred eights for this. It is some other higher fidelity chip that he's using. Uh, it's not a chip. It's a it's an IC, which is a integrated circuit, but. Um, it is a chip, but it's, you know, it's a specific kind of thing. It's not a microchip or anything, or it's not a microprocessor or anything like that. Right. Um, and they sourced these ICs that are different. And he basically says, like, it's socketed, so if you really want to put an LM308 in there, <laughs> you know, go ahead. But um, I don't think anybody will be wanting to put LM308s in it because it sounded damn good out of the box. Um, anyway. Are you talking about the kill? So no, the uh, the rat's bane. The rat's bane. The, yeah, yeah. It's not. I thought it's so. not um three hundred eight. And I don't know if the the expandora is either. It may not be. Um, and I don't know whether the kilt is kilt is. I don't think either of those are three hundred eights because those are mass produced pedals. There, at least they were. I don't think the expandora is produced anymore. Could be wrong on that. Um, but you know what's interesting? So all three of those companies decided that that was like really versatile, and built it into their pedals. I think his might be the only one where the where the filter control operates properly, which is yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, so for those who don't know, the filter control is supposed to operate so that when you turn it up, you get more bass. It sounds a little fluffier and starts to get a little fuzzier. And then when you turn it down, it gets more treble. And it's it's just it's a high pass that operates in reverse, basically. Exactly. That's what it high pass filter. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's probably a low yeah. pass filter. Yeah, it's a it's a I think it's a low pass actually because yeah, yeah. it always lets lows through because it's letting um, lows through. I think we've talked enough about influencers. I think we've talked enough about uh, the Ratsbane. I am kind of curious as to what your thought on the uh, the Clon Clone is. The Tumnus. Uh, the Tumnus. Right, yeah. This is this is coming from someone who does not know or care what a Clon does. Okay, so we're gonna start right there. I don't even know what a Clon does. I don't know what's special about a Clon. I know people who use it, and I know people love it, and I know people go crazy for it. I just saw a funny, a funny video that music is. I want to burst your bubble so bad and tell you what a clon is good for. But no, I'm that's gonna... okay. You, you're gonna in a second. You, I want you to. But here, it's funny because uh, music is win did a joke thing where he he paid um, JHS the half million dollars and bought his uh, his. his... <laughs> you got to see the video. It's actually pretty funny. He, at first, I was like. And then I said, no, this is this is just a complete joke. It's obviously a joke. But I and I never believed it for even a second, not even when I saw the title. But I thought, yeah, is this going to get funny? I got funny real fast. Got really funny. Did he, act, He's did got, he actually buy a clone, though? Oh, he did. But he only paid, yeah. you know, a couple hundred or a couple hundred. Yeah. A couple or a few thousand dollars for it. I think he he paid on the high end. He even admitted he overpaid for it. But um he jokes around that he got a hold of JHS and Josh Scott is sitting in like this. You can tell he's in a green room, but they got like a bar and and he's like, yeah, hey, little Wayne, come on in. He's got a drink in his hands. Like yeah. he's drinking off the drink. And, <laughs> and then he's like, um, of course, uh, uh, poor music is win had, had uh, spent all of his money and all of his savings. His wife left him. Um, he had 63 cents in the bank and all there is, is that he's in an empty house with an empty room and a clon mm-hmm. and his guitar. And he's like, I guess I better love the clon. And he plugs in that he's like, and then, and then he's playing and he's like, and, he, and, he, and, and then of course, Josh Scott's like, what do I hear? What do I hear from the ether? Yeah. I hear a clon. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes, Oh my God, I got to buy my pedal back. I'll give you anything. I'll give you anything. He will, you know, I'll give you Bitcoin. No, I don't want Bitcoin. <laughs> I want the clon. I don't know. I'll give you if you give me one Bitcoin. I think I'd be willing to part with my clon. I think so too. Fifty thousand 50, dollars sounds yeah, good. Yeah, fifty something thousand dollars. Yeah, it sounds pretty. Oh, uh, there. Well, there. It's worth about forty eight nine. I think is at it? the moment. Is it but okay? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that because I've been watching my investments daily. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, I'm waiting so I can afford one. Um, so anyway, uh, the the um, the video is pretty funny. But the point is, I watched it and I went, I went like this. I went. I have no idea what part of the tone the clon did. And so my clon, I'm using it like, well, my tumnus, I'm using it like a, a, a quote unquote transparent overdrive where I'm giving it that little bit. But I know that transparency is not transparency. And that's a big issue we can get into in a second. <laughs> it's not a transparent overdrive. There's no such thing as transparent. Unless and you're it using is so a, far from transparent. Yeah, it's like a million miles from trans. But people call these things transparent overdrive. I'll, I'll explain why when we get there. But it's it's a myth. <laughs> so you want transparent I, drive, get a boost. Get a boost, exactly. Get an e, e, exp boost. 
Um, what do they call it? The Sonic Boost or whatever, and you just SP the EXP SP. Just there you go. Are you talking about the exotic? Exotic. Yeah, exotic. No, that's an EP booster, and that EP. Is not, that's an EP, and that is not a neutral booster at all. Nope, it's not. That's what I'm saying. They're not. They're none of them. That you can't boost and not be. But we can go into why that is. Once you boost, you you change frequency response all across the board. But anyway, so um, it's why an amp sounds better turned up. Man, it's wait, just... you mean the Vertex Boost does not? <gasps> Never mind. That no. No, Zvex would not. Hey, any no, it wasn't. No, Zvex didn't make that. The Vertex is uh, is uh, the Rig Doctor. Oh, it's the Rig Doctor. Oh, don't get me started yeah. on his, his some of his videos. I, I agree with most of what he says, and I agree with probably hundred percent. But I'm not I spending like the kind of money. Of stuff. Yeah, I'm. I'll be honest. I like some of his stuff. I think he's got his head really far up his ass on a few things. Yeah, he's that... he's he's sniffing his own farts in some places. Well. And I think he thinks the farts smell a little bit better than they do, too. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly um, what I was gonna say. His smarts, his farts don't smell that good. But um, the the um, uh, the thing I'm using it for is to give me it it to me it rounds things out a bit, so I can boost, I can kick it a little bit harder, and I can round out the sound. Does that make sense to you? Because because the Les Pauls are mid, they've got a lot more mid, right? And so, well, the, actually, the I think they're kind of balanced, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so, so that's I, kind of the that's kind of the misnomer about all this stuff. But go on. Yeah. And so what I'm doing is I'm just kind of pushing a little harder, and even things almost at twelve o'clock, which they're they're a little tweaked, you know, here and there, but pretty close. It it just gives me that little bit, but it. it I don't know what it is because I'm not an engineer and I'm not a sound guy. And I don't, I don't know how to express that this sounds like I've got all my frequencies, like, like um, it, it was like this. And now it's like, like this, like rounder. Does that? Yeah. Yeah. Does that no, make sense? It, but instead of, instead of being like here, it ballooned. It's almost like mm -hmm. I blew up a balloon, but I gave it a little helium. But yeah, tied so, to a string. So, all right. So I'm going to give you my impressions of the clon, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this and kind of try to explain the whole like what they call the neutral overdrive thing, like the transparent overdrive thing, and why I think that's a myth to begin with. Um, we already kind of explored that, which is that anytime you boost a signal, you're going to mess with the signal, meaning um, it's going to hit the amp differently. Yep. It's going to cause the, the thing to compress differently. There's no such thing as a neutral boost. Um, you can you can get close. I mean, that's and I think the Vertex, I think the TC Electronic Spark aim yep. to get as close as possible. They're not emphasizing treble frequencies. They're not emphasizing bass. The Klon gets used as a clean boost a lot. And it has something to do with the, the tone control mixing in like um, like a clean blend. And the gain control mixing in a clean blend. I think it's the gain control. I don't think it's the tone control. I could be wrong on that. It's been a while since I've used Klon. But basically, um, there are two schools of thought. One school is use the Klon with the gain up, right? right? And use it like a traditional overdrive. And then the other school is to use it as a clean boost. And the clean boost camp is like, oh, well, it's neutral. It's a neutral drive. There is no such thing as a neutral drive. What it does, in my opinion, is like what you said. 
it does have a mid hump, but that mid hump is very broad across the spectrum. It is not like a tube screamer where it's very focused. So it's a lot less audible. But because of that, when you kick it on and you have the volume at, you know, over unity, it's going to hit your amp differently. It's going hit, to hit it as, as though it were up louder and the bass and treble were rolled off in the higher and lower regions. So to, to you, it sounds like it's just your guitar, but more of it. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's what right. people say that's, when they talk about the Klon. Right. And it's really just a really broad kind of tube screamer style clipping where it's it, where, and I don't say clipping, but just the frequency response of the pedal in general is broader. And I think there's some stuff going on with the, um, the output impedance on it as well. I am not an engineer when it comes to this stuff, but I can tell like there's definitely different stuff going on in a clon than goes on in a tube screamer in terms of gain. Uh, I actually preferred my clon gained out. I did not like it as a clean boost. Now, today, I would probably have a different opinion of that because I'm using the King of Tone, and the King of Tone is somewhere... Um, it is not... So, the Womp, the Wampler Tumnus and other clones, to my way of thinking, are not mid-neutral. A mid-neutral pedal would be flat. It would be like a clean boost. And you couldn't change the mids based on the distortion. And actually, probably wouldn't have a tone control. Um, I don't. I can't think of a truly mid-neutral pedal, but I know the one that gets held up a lot is the the Blues Driver, as being mid-neutral, because it's got kind of a um, a laid-back mid-range character. And I would agree. I think the Blues Driver is a more mid-neutral pedal. I think the Klon is somewhere between the Blues Driver and a Tube Screamer probably more towards the blues driver side of things. Um, I don't think so. Like the blues driver can get harsh in the upper high end. I don't feel like the clon gets harsh and I've played clons through. I had a, I had an archer for a while. Yeah. The um, archer is a good one that I've heard two about. Years. That, I who makes the, the who makes the archer? That's uh, uh, that's J rocket J rocket. Right. And then, and I've had, I've seen the gold one that I've looked at that one quite a few times. I had the Archer Icon. I had the gold one. Yep. Um, and I I had it um, when I had my Fender Princeton. I had it when I had my Rivera. I played it through my Mark 525. And I want to say I even played it through my Katana, but it might have it might have gone by the way at that point. And I liked the pedal a lot. I've played a couple of clones since then that I actually liked more. Um, but I just never... I didn't want more of my guitar. You know what I mean? Like I wanted to color and shape the crap out of it. So I, I went down the path and, and this happened during the show. I ha I went back to a tube screamer for a while and then I got my King of tone. And I think the King of tone is similar in the way that it contours your mids. And I know I'm going to get crucified for saying that because not similar in what it does, but similar in that, it fits somewhere between a blues driver and a tube screamer. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. So like I would maybe characterize the 250 circuit as being the farthest end of the spectrum because it seems to actually cut some mids um, more so than even the blues driver, at least to my way of thinking and knowledge. Uh, Cause it's been a while since I've used one and I've never put one right next to one another. So I could be wrong on that, but it always just seemed like, that was a very raspy circuit. And I actually like the blues drivers too. So 
all of these things are different depending on what context you're using them in. So like if you're yeah. going to plug um all right, so let's let's take different scenarios, right? If you're going to use an AC30. Mm-hmm. The Klon might be kind of cool with an AC30 because it's going to it's going to help control some of that chime. Um the Tube Screamer is going to be kind of cool with that AC30 because it's definitely going to control some of that chime. The Blues Driver might not be as cool because it's actually going to take out some of the mid-range character and make those amp- makes those amps cool. Yeah. The 250 is going to push a lot of treble through that AC30. <laughs> it's kind of like a treble booster in that way. So I kind of like that's and if you if you were to flip the script and you were to say okay so let's go let's go Fender right an amp with a scoop mid range and we said we're going to use you know the Klon through it well the Klon's going to push that amp hard. It's going to give it sort of a Marshall-esque flavor, but it's not going to be like super Marshall. Whereas a Tube Screamer is going to make it more Marshall-y because it's got that focus mid-range thing. Yep. And then, you know, like the Blues Driver will be more like a Tweed going through it. And then, you know, you're going to have your 250, which will be very, very raspy yet again. The 250 circuit, in my mind, works best through a Marshall. And that's because it does the opposite of what the Marshall is. And this brings me to my actual talking point here. So just as a general tone tip, one thing I've learned messing with pedals over the years is whatever your amp does, do the opposite with your pedals. Um, And it's not, that's not a hard and fast rule, obviously, but I have found a lot of success by taking an amp that's like super mid rangey, like with a lot of, you know, scoop and not scoop, but like, pushed mids and and i'll literally take a like a, a five band eq and just drop the mids or or a you know this the boss g6 or whatever just drop the mids and and i'll tell you why it works it's because you're compensating for the fact that the amp is going to push out the the stuff and so you're going to take some of that content out of the guitar and let the amp do it and you can do it vice versa too so if it's like a fender you want to put that mids back in there Right. Um, and it just changes the characteristics of how the amp responds. Yeah. So that's why um, when you're talking about your, your marshals with your, or not your marshals, but your, um, your Les Paul and, and stuff, anything with humbuckers. When you talk about the frequency contour of humbuckers, there's this, oh, they got a lot more mids. It's actually sort of true. But what you have to understand is that the humbucker generally has a little bit less bass, yeah. same, you know, like more mids and the trouble's about here. In a in a hit, uh, in a single coil pickup, you have a lot of mids, but you have a lot more treble, and usually you have a higher bass level. Yep. And so it makes it sound like those mids are scooped, but they're not. They're really right. not. The, so it's it's a matter of taming that. I think there are circuits that I've seen people using that people don't disclose all the time, like the um what they used to call it, the grease bucket circuit or whatever it was. Oh yeah. Where where when you roll down the volume knob a little bit, the um, you know the the tone it's like a tone roll off almost, yep. but for the high treble, yep. and I think that kind of stuff on strats works wonders for certain kinds of amps, because like the Roy Gallagher sound, okay, Stratocaster into into AC30 cranked all the hell. I cannot imagine what that would sound like in the front row. I cannot right. imagine. I've sat in front of enough AC30s and, and AC15s over my life playing in clubs and seeing other bands 
to know that that sound is going to hurt. It's going to be really, Painful. really piercing. So now I've been told that using vintage ones is supposed to account for that. But even that, like, you listen to those records, man. It's all treble. And I kind of wondered, like, was he using a grease bucket type circuit or something in his guitar to, like, make sure that he wasn't tame a little bit of the audience? Or was he putting that screen in front of him or maybe turning the amp sideways at some gigs so that he wasn't beaming everybody in the audience? Because it would be obnoxious. Yeah. The, The other guy that comes to mind is Johnny Winter. Do you, do you recall Johnny Winter's tone settings, Jim? They're the easiest ones in the world to remember. Stratocaster. Yep. Multiple twins. Everything on 10. Everything up. <laughs> all the way up. That's what I was doing with my hand. You couldn't see it, though. I was doing this. <laughs> everything up. <laughs> it, 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 it worked for him. Uh, you got to wonder. So uh, there was a few things going on back then other than a lot of these guys being hired kites. Coily, um, coily cables is a big, is a big one. Everyone always long, talks about that. Long coily cables, long ones. We're talking about like, uh, I can't remember the blues musician who was famous for having like a 100 or 150 foot cable. Yeah. Um, imagine the tone loss. I don't care how much buffer you've got in there. Imagine the tone loss in that thing. Um, but, uh, and the other thing that these guys had, because y- you see it, you'll watch um, uh, Jimi Hendrix walk up to walk up to his Marshall, right, and he's doing his thing, and he's turning it up, right. He's yeah, and, right he'll, there. and he'll and he will turn. But I've also seen him turn turn around and turn things down. Turn too. things down, right. And what's funny is he'll be standing there, and what's coming out of his guitar and going in there, but a big old curly cable, you know, one of these one of these purple ones. I've got one in the box for you, and and so. Uh, it's funny because he's got a, he's got what looks to be because you're standing there. You're like, oh, it's only like a, a 12 foot cable. No, it's like it's like 40 feet, but it's yeah, all curled like up 30 or 40 feet. Right. Yeah. And um, the other side of it is remember that that a lot of them had killed their their high end hearing from playing loud. So they're kind of turning it up to hear it. That's number two. Um and the last thing, and probably the most important thing, is that that um, I'm not so sure that how do I say this? I'm not so sure that the circuits were reflective of like to, if I took a today's circuit and I had a yesterday circuit and today's cabinet, yesterday's cabinet, that I would get the same sound out of it. You know what I'm saying? No. And that's and, what... and, and and that's part of what I was saying about the vintage AC30 thing. It's Rojas compliance is part of it. Yep. But in general, the way that stuff is produced today, you can take a Fender Deluxe circuit. Um, I know somebody who's got a couple of them. And you can compare compare those to a modern production Fender Deluxe and they are harsh. What, yep. what, I, I know I know it's a generalization. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, you're corks nothing now. Listen, let me tell you something. There's a reason that the guys from the 60s and 70s who buy the reissue amps have them gutted and replaced with right. new old stock parts and the, you know, like the turret board construction and all that because 
it makes a difference. Those amps, and it's not just the speaker, the speaker's a big part of it, but those amps were not harsh, even off the factory floor back then. Because you can hear them on records, right? Right. Um, and you can, so like the classic example, people are like, oh, well, they don't record records the same way they used to. That's true. But um, think about like Lenny Kravitz. So Lenny Kravitz records a record that sounds like the 60s. People think that some of the stuff that's on that record was recorded by Jimi Hendrix. That has been a problem. People have said, oh, well, that's a Hendrix thing. Well, no. I can tell you this because I, I, I was a big Kravitz fan. And I can tell you that there were many times I was like, Hmm. <laughs> that sounds very similar, right? That sounds like that. Much. Did he literally lift that from, you know, insert Hendrix tune from here? Especially at that time, I was listening to a lot of Hendrix. And, and not all that stuff was done on vintage correct amps and that kind of thing. So it's not just studio trickery. Right. That's my point. Right. If there is some magic to that, that sound in the recording. That's right. And, and um, and he had access to a lot of stuff. Um, for sure, for we sure, won't, we won't. Yeah, we won't even get into. But, um, I, but you no, I think I think your point though. I think you hit the nail on the head. That stuff doesn't sound the same now that it does back then because there have been changes. Yeah. And it's not just it's not just changes like component values on the circuit board change, but just like what shit's made out of. Yeah. And whether it's uh, a circuit board versus, you know, a solder lead or how they wrap the wires together for the power supply, yep. all of that crap matters in an yeah. amp. Yeah. People think um, it doesn't, but it does. It does. And let's let's talk a little bit about there, there's always this person you'll see. I don't care. You insert YouTube personality here who will go to a studio and go, oh, I had a chance to play through um, David Gilmore's rank. Or, you know, whoever's Rick. And they go, holy shit. I, I never thought that that amplifier would sound that way. You, you know, they'll say, oh, well, I've got 10 of them. And they don't sound like that. And the fact of the matter is that um, I don't think, for a minute, I don't think that uh, um, it's the same. The magnets aren't the same. The cones aren't the same because the paper that's going into the cone isn't the same. The um the the wood is definitely not the same, and don't tell me there's no such thing as a tone wood with a cabinet, because then no. I'll slap you upside the head. Because I'll <laughs> take my acoustic guitar off the wall and I'll strum it, and I'll go, "Is yours made out of this wood?" Yeah, exactly. That's gonna make a big damn difference. You can take two acoustic guitars with the same tone wood, and they'll sound totally different. That's right, and you know? so that that does make a difference. And where that where that amp, you know, they were they were putting these things together by hand back then. That's all. It, we could go we could go on for days and and you would get these these folks these musicians let's say you're clapton and you walk in they they give you 12 of them and they say which one do you like the best take that one home and so if if they all sound the same they just ship it to him there you go there's one i Ow. think i think in modern production amplifier so we're talking about this kind of stuff we're talking about amps that were available back then but i think like a 5150 from the 90s is going to sound just as decent as a yeah. 5150 produced yes. last year like right. a 6505 yep. but here's the here's the reality of the difference there um do they have the original tubes you know that's right. that's a big question uh and have the transformers changed because those are going to be huge impacts on the sound but like overall 
I'm not going to say they're going to change all that much because the circuit board is still a circuit board. The, you know, the layout of the components might've changed a little bit, but the components are probably still the same components. Yep. And that's, and that's really like the, the biggest component issue in that kind of thing. Cause you're looking at a head cab situation, the cabinet will be different. Sure. But then you're not evaluating the sound of the cabinet. You're evaluating the sound of the amplifier um, because you can plug it into a number of different cabinets. And then that's where like that's where things in that that start to break down. But when people talk about like an old deluxe reverb, you know, like a '66 or something that you know it's just been kicked around for years, it's all beat up and it sounds freaking amazing. It's not because the amp weathered in. Okay, that's part of it. That is definitely part of it because the the wood's gonna dry out, the speaker cone's gonna dry out, the speaker may get replaced. Like that's gonna be part of it. Um, it may have been modified along the path. Maybe somebody swapped out a resistor for a different value because it's all they had at the time and it and it worked well in the circuit, so they went with it. Um, that stuff happens too, but I will tell you in general, the older amplifiers I've heard do not sound like new production stuff. And I don't care if it's you know some amplifier company claiming to clone those circuits and get those sounds like... I have yet to come across, and I'm not saying it isn't possible. Like there's companies like Headstrong that claim to do it, um, like an amp because I because I'm more familiar with the USA side of things because they're easier to find vintage USA amps here. Um, find me an old deluxe and then compare it to the '57 deluxe reissue because I can but, tell you right now they're not I, the same. At I was all. just you know what? So my friend that that uh, uh, I know very well. Um, who I was hanging out with tonight um, before this, we were, we were talking about his last night. I was over at his house. We were sitting down and talking and, and um, we were talking about just what you're saying. We're talking about his old deluxe. He's had the same deluxe since I think pretty much when they started making Fender deluxes, he's had it since the seventies. Yeah. And so I didn't know. I was like, they were making deluxes back then. Really? I didn't know that. Um, and I was like, wow. And is it tweed or is it, or is it a silver face or blackface? Uh, blackface. Okay. And it's, yeah, they have deluxes and deluxe reverbs. Yeah. The deluxes are kind of cool. And so his deluxe is from way back then. I thought it was just a, you know, like a blues deluxe, like you buy a guitar sign stuff, but it's not. And it's only been retubed once. And it was like in 74, 76, somewhere in there when he got it retubed. Because some guy said, oh, your tubes are dying on you. He put in new tubes. And I think he bought it in new in 72 or, 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 I, or secondhand in 72 or something. So it's an old one. And uh, here's the, this is the point. It sounds like no other deluxe I've ever heard. Cause I, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll get a deluxe. And I was like, no, <laughs> nothing. now, you know why I've been telling you if I'm getting the deluxe reverb, I'm going to spend buying an old one. Right. Yeah. Cause they're, they're not the same thing. And a reissue I, is not going to do it. I used to think you could buy the 65 reissue and like get away with it. But I kind of like, it's so harsh. Cause that's what I had. My problem with my Princeton was it's freaking harsh. I made friends with a guy on um oh, on I Twitch. Can't. Yeah, the on, Princetons on, to me are just uh go ahead. The seventies and sixties Princetons do not oh, sound really like good. the ones they're putting right. out today. Right. They're not harsh. Um they don't have that thing going on around three thousand to four thousand hertz that's just annoying to hear. And they don't have all that fizz at the top end. And that is not the speaker. There's right. something going on in the circuit and it may be the transformers. 
Um, I would be willing to bet that the transformers they're using in those amps today are probably higher spec, meaning that they're like um, within tighter tolerances. But the reality is the ones with the shittier transformers probably sound better. Yeah. Um, Because they were overwound. It's the same thing as the pickups. Somebody goes out and has a cigarette. Machine keeps going. (laughs) Um, Comes back at whoops. (laughs) <laughs> oh shit how am i gonna get the housing on here oh we'll just we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll it just... fit. <laughs> you know? yeah i don't um, think that shit doesn't happen well it's only up uh, uh you know it's only four ohm off it's fine it's only gonna the, you know, the secondary transformer is only dropping a little bit less. it's fine, yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah it's no big deal nobody will know um, We're just... put, it put it on the truck um <laughs> ship it over to fender those guys will love it uh, <laughs> Um, they never notice, but, but if you're, so like, that's another thing is that, that back then that kind of stuff happened more because that was before the manufacturers themselves were specking some of these, these parts, like Fender would go through the parts manual and like pick out like, Oh yeah, we're going to use these transformers and this and this and this, instead of calling them up and being like, we need a transformer with these specs and designing the transformer. So like now it's flipped. It's going the other way the production houses are doing that side of the industry. And so because of that, that shift um, it's changed all of this stuff. Like for example, when, when uh, Ken Fisher was doing it uh, train wreck, when they started doing it, him specifically uh, he was specking the transformers in the, in the mid eighties. And like, there were other companies doing it that time. Like, like basic book, started doing that. And um, I know at that time, Paul Rivera had done it for Fender so it wasn't like unheard of, but it was usually big companies or companies that like had a legitimate following. So you got yep. this guy calling up, you know, uh, I forgot what his, the name of his company was, but could you imagine like calling like Haybor or somebody like that and being like, yeah, I need a transformer with 250,000 lines of, you know, <laughs> like, yep. um, and, and that was basically what was going on with him and his transformers were specced and very specific. And I believe he was actually making some of his own. Um, so, that's that's really the difference is like even just the the component construction of these things was just it's the tolerances weren't there they didn't exist that's right so anyway we had another topic we wanted to cover tonight we maybe we should switch gears what was you, it? you had something else i think i talked about it the 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 hipsters all using gosh darn guitars that i didn't care about oh and right freaking, uh, videos Let, i let's let's talk more let, about that because let's I, talk let, let's talk about that like i i mean I think it's cool that you want to own. I, I, I'm not putting down someone that wants to own some freaking off the wall Nova or, you know, whatever, but it, it, it speaks to like four people. Um, and you, you talked about it too. I, you know what, th- that adds to it. Um, <clears throat> Robert Baker, I'll give you an example. Not, and again, geez, the, the first thing people think is, Oh, you said Robert Baker's name. You're going to talk about negative stuff. So you must can't stand Robert Baker. No. And, not putting Robert Baker down. Just saying, I'm Robert on his Baker, mailing list. Right. I, I'm. Yeah. Uh, I get and, harassed with his mail all the time. So he and I watch his channel all the time. So you know, it, the thing is, so here's Robert Baker. Right. He puts out this. He puts out um, uh, a video, and like he just did the SG video. I thought it was pretty good. And he was like, "Yeah, the SG staying right." Um, and. Uh, um, Remind me to tell you a, a Gibson slash Fender joke here in a minute because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about this. But anyway, so um, Robert, 
um, will will play. And it's like, you know, and he's ripping it up. And he's just playing a standard, he's playing the same thing I got right here, right? Playing a standard SG. And he's uh, ripping it up. And I'm like, cool. But I also know he's got nine amps and I don't know what IRs and he doesn't say anything about a signal chain. And it's like, I don't know anything about your signal chain. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you're using usually, pedals. Usually he's you're... using an Axe effects. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, but I don't know. I know he has that. I know he has Rev. I know he has, uh, you know, a bunch of heads. Um, I know he's got all this, all these pedals. And, and, and I want to be the first to say like the guy, kudos to people who do this, who say, this is my clean signal, play a couple chords and then they play the thing. Cause, cause that's at least better, but right. that's still not right either. Right. Because I have a frame of reference of what your, your clean signal is, but I don't know what that came from. Does that make I, sense? We've, talk, we've talked about this on the show before. Like use one of the four archetypical guitars. Right. Use a Strat, a Tele, a Les Paul, or an SG. Right. Right. I mean, really, you can't go wrong with one of those four guitars. Try to use a major brand version of it. Yep. So in other words, like if you're going to use a Strat, use a Fender. If you're yep. going to use a Tele, use a Fender. If you're going to use a Les Paul, use a Gibson. If you're going to use an SG, use a Gibson. And, and the only reason I say that is because we're all familiar with those sounds. Mm-hmm. It's like when Wampler talks about what amp do I use to design my bo- pe- um, my uh, amp in a box pedals. And he right. says, the Hot Rod Deluxe, because everybody has one. Because everybody's got a Hot Rod Deluxe. You know, and, and like, it's not that, it's not rocket science. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about JHS a little bit, but like, I don't know how many videos I've seen of Josh's and I'm going to talk to you about him the next time I see him. I don't know how many videos I've, I've seen where he's playing a built. Not only like, is he dude, playing the built, he's playing through that special, I mean, he's playing through a $3,000 amp. Cause I looked, I, I looked, don't, I was the, like, the, the, the milkman the more is more. A, no, he plays it's, through it's, his, it's, it's a, a milkman. It's a milkman. Right? It's a milkman. Yeah. yeah. It's but it's his JHS. amp, but it's a milkman. Yeah. And um, it's, and it's called the more is more or something. Um, yeah. La- Cause you can buy it. You can buy good. that JHS more is more on, uh, loud is more good. Loud is more it's good. Loud That's it. More good. Loud is more good. Um, but, the, but so look, I don't have a problem with that so much as, cause you can hear the clean signal and then the, but like the build, that is a weird effing guitar, like yeah. a straight up weird, yeah. homicidally weird guitar. And, um, like gold foil pickups, I know there are a lot of people that's like their jam right now is like the gold foil and like, um, a lot of pickups of that ilk. But man, when I hear you doing that in the video, I'm like, I don't know what those pickups sound like. I that's not right. something I've ever been after. Um, and I'm not gonna go seek it out so that I can enjoy your video right. or or be able to make an informed buying decision about your product or somebody because because JHS kind of gets a pass for the whole um for the whole like influencer thing because that's a company. Right. They're selling other companies' pedals. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's kind of crazy. He does a whole but... Behringer line thing, or he'll do a whole you know Dale right. Electro line thing, or whoever. Because he's an enthusiast too. But like, I, listen, I understand that some of it's about building your brand, you know, and like being very clear to your audience. Like we live, eat, and breathe this stuff, and until yeah. like you accept that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna do it this way. But like the built thing, I mean, so. So who built the built? It's it's a company. 
built. Oh. Um, I thought that they was make the... like the Revelator. <laughs> they make uh, they make a couple other pedal. They make a couple other guitars. They make a Tele clone. And, that tells um, you how out of touch I am with the freaking hipster guitars. Well, I they're not super. Po- they're not super popular. Right? They're not like they're not a big brand like that everybody knows about. Um, but it would be like, uh, I mean, nobody would expect you to demo all your stuff with a Silvertone. Right. You know, or an Eastman, um, which I've seen Ryan do that too. And I'm like, man, I, there's a very specific group of people that know what that sounds like. And that's a super specific group of people because most people are more familiar with Strats, Tellies, Les Pauls, and SGs. Right. And, and, and maybe a 335. Right. And that's where it gets a little disingenuous because you're here to you're here to represent the brand, whatever guitar, whatever um, uh, amplifier or pedal or whatever you're showing off, right? And um, yeah, those guitars don't do anything for me. Um, so the headstock, Ugh. yeah, the headstocks are just fugly. I, I'm sorry, not my thing. Just, definitely not my yeah, thing. No, I always said that. I always thought that when I saw JHS's headstock, I was like, what the heck is he? And he always, I mean, he loves the guitar and I get it. It's your thing, man. That's your, that's your bag. You know, you like, you know, you like, um, ketchup on your potato chips and other people don't. I mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm going to admit it. I'm going to admit a couple things. Like I don't, I've played jazz masters. Mm -hmm. I've played Mustangs. I've played, um, what's the other one? The, um, Jaguar, the Jaguar. I've played all three of those guitars multiple times. Yep. And I honestly can't tell you that I know what they sound like. Nope. And it's just because it's just not my bag. Like I don't play them all the time. I don't play them every day. And for me, when I see a video where somebody's like, I'm going to play this on my Fender Mustang, I'm like, Yippee. click, like click. Find me something else because it just doesn't do any. It's not going to inform me whether I whether I do or not. And you know the other one. Here's the here's the culprit that I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of call out though a little bit. Um, and it, it, Henning Polly, yeah, yeah, because he he often uses um, uh, what's the guitars from uh from Toman, uh Harley Benton's Harley Benton, and I'm like, dude. You're not doing anybody any favors. I'm not, not to, not, remember that phrase from earlier in the episode? Right. Good for the price. Right. Um, For the price. Uh, And I will say that, like, the ones that I've played, I did not think the pickups were great. And I'll be completely honest, I don't think you're getting an accurate representation of what that guitar is going to sound, or what that effect, or whatever he's now amp is going to sound like. Nope. Here's the, uh, we, we get back to that, that um, ingredient in the soup for those who think we're just blowing out smoke out our asses here. It's the ingredient in the soup. If I put, if I, okay, this is a great analogy. I go and I buy some Idaho potatoes, right? Not, not the box of Idaho potatoes. I'm not talking about those. I go buy some Idaho potatoes, right? I, I go to five guys and I get five guys, Idaho potatoes. And I tell them, I just want a bag, which you can do by the way, you go to Five Guys, buy a bag of potatoes. So if I go yep. to Five Guys and buy, I buy a bag of potatoes. You know exactly what day they came from. You know all this other stuff. And you know the farm and yeah. Yep. You know what shit went into the to the um, ground. 
You know, everything you buy, about those. You stores. can buy peanuts by the bag there too. That's right. I, I often do. Um, so let's take, let's take um, the, the, the potato analogy. So I put the potato into all of my ingredients. Then I go to a store. Let's say you're from my area. And I say, you know what? I went to Food Lion and I grabbed these, um, these things and I put them in my soup. So if you went to Food Lion and you got those things, you could put them in your soup. Okay? And you went, you know what? Jim bought this oregano and he bought these potatoes and he bought these things, right? And these tomatoes and this this broth. Stirred it all up, heated it for 25 minutes at, you know, at uh, three, um, you know, on a stove. My, my wife was wearing our lovely. Uh, I saw that. PR1W t-shirt. Oh, well, she should I come wanted, into the... I wanted to point it out. Maybe she should come in here. Maybe yeah. she should come in and show off the PR1W. Oh. In, in the women's flavor. There you go. She Here needs to come towards your head. Yes. You need to move out of the way. There, there you go. Get a frame. Our yeah. lovely. The there you go. Marlon Our lovely model. W. A little more to your right. <laughs> Her right. I need it. You're I need right. it. There You're you right. go. Right there. Yep. Yes, nope. Stay nope. right there. That's it. Yay. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I um, couldn't help but notice she walked in the room and I saw the PR1W and I was like, Get over here. <laughs> it was a lot better. It was a lot better than I would have looked at it. Um, so Shit. I have one and it's shrunk. So I will warn you if you're ordering one, order a size larger. I did. I ordered two sizes larger. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do the same. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, um, uh, what were we talking about? We were talking about, oh, so if I put all these ingredients together, you have an idea of what that potato sounds. So if you decide you're going to go with russets or you're going to go with other ones, you know the base taste and you know what you can go to from that but if if i gravitate towards some weird potato i had this potato imported from austria does and it, it taste like vodka yeah and it was and it was uh, um it was it was grown yeah in the fields of vodka and, and as a matter of fact that's what they use potatoes right over there they i know yeah they use potatoes. but that's not austria that's russia but anyway yeah yeah <laughs> Um, so they, these, yeah, they're used in a, in a rare known vodka. And I had a friend send me a five pound bag and it cost me a hundred dollars to get it shipped over here. And I waited three weeks and these potatoes, you know, and I had to cut off all the, and they, and they have this particular flavor, right? I'm going to drop them in. Now you don't know what that soup tastes like. Because when I, I said, when I'm telling you, you should buy this oregano and then you buy potatoes, but you can't go get the bag of potatoes. You're not going to spend a hundred dollars on a potato bag of potatoes. So you're not, and you're not going to buy the, that bag of potatoes anyway. You're going to go to the store. You're going to get the ones that Food Lion has. So you grab the ones at Food Lion. You bring them home. You put them in the soup. And you go, this is too bland. This tastes like shit. And, and you're going to say, Jim, your, your, your recipe tastes like shit. But you come to my house and you have it. And you go, wow, it tastes good. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And... and uh, there's more to it than that, but I'm just saying that sure. it's a it's an ingredient in a whole stew. Now let's talk about um, uh, the 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 fact that um, if I have a bunch of ingredients that don't have anything to do with it, so we'll go back to sound. We'll go back to the guitar. So I have a guitar that, that when I turn it up, it sounds a certain way. When I roll it back, it sounds a certain way. When I when I hit it hard, it sounds a certain way. When I hit it soft, it sounds a certain way. 
Um, and then I throw pedal A in it. You have no idea what that's going to sound like with your guitar. None. None. I think if you're buying, like if you own uh, uh, a budget guitar, you should watch channels that use budget guitars with the thing you're going to get. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea. Um, I think the other component to remember, though, is that, that uh, touch and feel also play a, lot, a huge role in a lot of this stuff. And just remember that, like, I, I don't buy stuff off demo videos. And I can use a demo video to kind of get what I'm interested in. I buy stuff that I think is sort of a sure bet. And then I get it home and a lot of times I play it and I have returned things because they were not what I wanted. Um, and, and if you can get a relationship with a local store, albeit a, a big box retailer or whatever, um, where you can buy things, take them home, try them out, bring them back. Yep. You're going to be a lot happier in the long run. Cause I think a lot of this stuff is so user preference based um, that just having the option to do that is going to be helpful to you over, you know, just like trying to seek out demo videos. I can't Absolutely. downplay that the demo, the demo video is good because it exists. Yep. Um, actually, you know what? We haven't talked about it. That Toman service, have you heard that thing? So Toman put up a service now where you can go to their oh, list yeah, of pedals. Yeah, yeah. There, and it is literally actually streaming audio through pedals, real pedals. And it has like some sort of controller chip interface where they wired it to the pots so that you can actually manipulate the knobs via a, a GUI. On their website. Isn't that crazy? It is wild. And it is awesome. And it, it is. has almost sold me a couple pedals. I'll be real. Like, there have been a couple of things where I was playing around in there and I'm like, okay, I'll bite. This is this is legitimately like game changing in terms of that being is, able to try something out online. That is the biggest game changer and probably the closest you will ever come actually having your hands on a pedal before without having your hand without having your hands on the pedal that's right now here's the thing to remember though when you're playing around with this is it does not tell you what the pedal feels like you know what else it won't tell you it won't tell you well there's two more things physically what it'll be like on your board okay i mean most people can figure it out but i'll tell you the rat's bane is like this big that thing is oh yeah it's super small. It's, 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 super a, it's a finger enclosure. It's a finger yeah. enclosure. Yeah, it's this size. It's just a little bit bigger than this. This is my uh, the but size. You know what's funny? Um, when you put camera. the cables on it, it's still basically the same damn size. Yeah, yeah. Once you start sticking cables, on, that's what I don't get about mini it's pedals. Like, what a waste! And what a waste of you time! Still need to, you still need to leave enough room between the two pedals. You got to have your your toe in a right. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, I know, dude. Don't get me started. Mini pedals are like. Just put it in a bigger housing. Like, what the hell? You know what's going to happen is you're going to come out with a full size one. I'm just going to I'm going to sell this one and get that one. But anyway, yeah, so, and, it'll ha and it'll have more control over it, right? Like, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, the full size one's way better. <laughs> yeah. Well, like the Tumnus, I got the Deluxe. That's why I showed the picture, there right? Because I got the Deluxe because it's a full size and I've got a little bit more control over the features. But anyway, um, uh, we were talking about the the thing. It won't tell you about the physical layout. That's number one. Because um, that's another thing about um, uh, mini pedals. If if the the cable is pulling the pedal or pushing it, it has a tendency to do this. Like like it'll go. Let me get my hand in here. It'll go like this. 
you know. Because uh-huh. uh-huh. the the tension, you can only get so much Velcro on a pedal that's this big, you know. And I don't care how hard you push that stuff in and lock I, it tight. I, and I put when I put um, and I don't have Velcro sitting in front of me. I actually had some the other day, but it's I kind put of a tilting whole strip that runs the entire length of the pedal. I did, yeah. Because all it's, you can't do, yeah. And it, and it's it tilts a little bit. It's like. Ugh. Jim. So I had to put it where there's no pressure. pressure. You need dual. Lock. I have dual. I'm using dual. Using? It's the uh, pedal is so small. It's not that it's pulling away from the board. It's literally just like tilting, like, like the top of it's moving. Right, it's still right locked down, but it's just still yeah, right bit. to left. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, when you try to lock it down, you're pushing it down to get it locked in, and then, um, you got to make sure it's like sitting just right when you do that because mm-hmm. usually you hook up the wires first then plug it in it's like but anyway so there's that and then the other side of it is um that you don't get and i think this is probably uh this might be something you were talking about as far as feel goes yeah because that's that's a really a big deciding factor in whether i keep a pedal or not response yeah yeah yeah, and actually, that you're gonna laugh. The one pedal that I really, really liked on there was the Strymon L Cap. But I don't think you can get any closer than what they show in there. I, I honestly don't think they're remotely, not showing. They're literally they they show you, you how it works. There's literally pedals sitting in the rack that you're being through. I mean, yeah, it's wild. I never thought like I never thought somebody would go to that level to like actually achieve that. But it just shows you how much Toman makes off of pedals. Yeah. Well, there's like, a lot of money. It's some more. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of money in most of your pedals. And that's, you know what's funny? Um, a, lot of, a lot of people don't realize that. So there's more money in a slightly more expensive pedal. Okay. That should come without saying. That should go without saying. But when, when a company can blow out a pedal, say like 30 bucks, um, those, those uh, is it TC Electronics? Um, that yeah. they have those cheap ones, the the Blood Moon and the Cinders. That's because there's, there's no R and D in those. No, there's no R and D. So there, they were years ago. But there's very little overhead in that. Believe it or not, it doesn't do the company that's selling to you, whether it's a mom and pop or a big firm like Toman. There's very little money in that. Yeah. So, so the the truth of the matter is, they'd rather sell you an eighty dollar pedal or a ninety dollar pedal than the than a fifty dollar pedal. Because there's a lot, uh, there's a lot more money in the eighty dollar, ninety dollar pedal, um, and the other side of it is it, you wouldn't think so, but there is, um, and the, and the other side of it is that that um, you're getting slightly better, you're getting much better, not slightly better, you're getting much better components, you're getting tighter. Tolerances. There's a, there's definitely diminishing returns at a certain point, though. Yes, yes. I don't want to go into the four hundred dollar or anything like that. Right. I think I think at some point you get to this this level where it's like, okay, you better hope you get your four hundred dollars worth when you buy a Vemram. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Um, and I've got. I mean, I've had expensive pedals. So you have like, one. Not, your I have ethos, one right? right? I'm, looking, I'm looking. It's it's nearby somewhere. Um, but I don't have it in hand. What is it called? I like to hold. I like to hold hold it up and pretend that I'm, you know, like like uh, the monkey in the Lion King. Like you're real, yeah. Like you've got great circle money, yeah. of life, you know, because yeah. it came back to me and it's circular. Circle of life. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that um, it's underneath uh, my underneath my Mesa Boogie hat. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, it's the circle of life. <laughs> yeah, and 
and that pedal, put that put that right in front of us again. Just put it right in front of your face again. So, yeah, there you go. Look Perfect. How many knobs and switches? That's what I'm paying for. That is, and you paid. So the base model of that was how much? If you didn't the base get the, mo- the base model, I think is well, let's look. Uh, custom tones is it like three twenty five or something like that? That it goes. Like, oh, it's higher. Okay, <laughs> the base model is higher, dude. So. That pedal, I think we counted, has like 13 knobs and switches on it, or 14 knobs and switches. And the base I don't price know if is I have that many knobs five and bucks a piece. So it's... five times 13, you're starting to see where the yep. where the money's yep. at. Um, all right, so prices, manuals, prices. Now, not all the stuff that Custom Tons Inc. does is expensive either. This is riveting shit, people. Um, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Let me hey, tell you tell right now. A, tell them to get a better website. Um, yeah. So the Ethos Listen to a better overdrive, podcast, you idiots. <laughs> the Ethos Overdrive preamp starts at $400 plus shipping and handling. There you handling. go. I have the TLA Classic Switch for an additional $79. I have the FX Loop for an additional $89. I have the HRM EQ for an additional $109. And the HRM Bypass Switch for $37. Bringing the grand total price of this pedal loaded to i believe 650 or 750 bucks oh my god and and i i complain because of how much my pedal board is worth and yeah and my cost. one pedal is probably worth the cost of some people's pedal boards i mean yeah. like that's not even oh it's it, it's more than which makes me a total snob but that's yeah. fine i mean if you think I use about this it, thing all the time let's would you say six uh 650 seven um 700 so let's say it was 650 let's let's just let's say it was 713 i did not pay that because i bought it a couple years ago i paid 650 for it but it's 713 dollars all right let's say it was with with shipping and tax or whatever let's say it's about 750 let's we'll round it up to make it easier right 750 let's put that in perspective that's seven 100 boards or i mean 100 pedals and a power supply not a good one a cheap one like like the um the ganging, uh, what do you call that? One's well, well, you do get a, you do get, <laughs> you do get a one <laughs> power yeah. supply. See, because I, I was very specific to this unit. This is a twelve. Uh, you got to hear the, you got to hear the, uh, the, the shenanigans here. This is a twelve volt DC five hundred milliamp unregulated, and it's very specifically unregulated DC transformer. And what's the center? I, is it negative center, positive center? Uh, it's regular center, I think, or okay. regular. So I think positive it's, uh, yeah, positive center. Yeah. That's typically the center. No, positive, positive sleeve, positive center, sleeve, negative, center, negative, negative center, center, negative. Center, negative. negative yeah. Center, that's what I meant. Yeah. So, all right. So let, let's, um, uh, let's put that in perspective. All right. So if you had $150 pedals, which is, which is a good, not a great pedal, good pedals, right? That's, that's most of your pedals, 150 to $200. Um, that pedal does how many things for you? What does it do for you? Uh, it's basically an amp in a box. I mean, it amp. literally is an amplifier without a power amp. You could put um, that into an IR and run that. Yeah. Uh, I Well, it has speaker emulation on it. Oh, well, well, there we go. So you just need a reverb. You need yeah. a reverb. Yeah. That's basically it. All right. So you've got an amp in a box. So it's kind of, I mean, I don't want to say it's worth it, but it's worth it. 
Well, it, for me, it is. I mean, I'm not going to, if you're not, unless you're into the, um, the whole Dumble thing, it's probably not worth it for you. Right. Um, and that's kind of where like, it's taken me a long time to come around to the fact that I really enjoy the sound of that particular circuit. Right. And I have had the dude and I have a clone of, um, of a Zen drive. And none of those things does that sound. Now, would you, I mean, the dude is really, really close to be, to be honest, when I had the dude, the only difference was the dude had like way more bass and it wasn't as touch sensitive and you couldn't dial in like the mids and stuff in the same way. So I think I got more features out of this. Plus, I like the cabin emulation, and I've got all the other stuff to make it just like an amp, including loop. Now, I was going to say, do you, would you use that direct, or have you ever put that into your um I've uh, used it on my live stream loop. direct. I've used it on my live stream direct, and I don't think people even realized I was using it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because um, it's, I mean, it sounds good. Like, the even without an IR, it sounds good. So um, would I recommend other people go out and do this? Hell no. Um, but I lusted after this pedal for years before I bought one. Like I legitimately watched the used market and was watching, uh, who was using them. And like they ebbed and flowed when I first started following along, they were at like a six month wait time. And then all of a sudden, like I, a couple of years later, I look and they're like, order now. And I'm like, Oh, how about that? And I was like, it's still pretty damn expensive. Cause it was, it was like $370 at that time. But I was like, you know what? It was around my anniversary, my, my fifth anniversary. I'm going into my 10 year anniversary. So I've been with this thing for five years now. And well, I short. talked to my wife and I talked to my wife and she said, just go ahead and get one. So yep. I got one. And you, and not and you I and your wife it, bought it back. That's what I was going to say. Not you and your wife, but you and the pedal had a short separation. Yeah. <laughs> And then you re- realized it, we, the love was still there. Yeah, we made a mistake. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We started, see, we started seeing other guitars and and other pedals. Yeah, and but she came back to me, so it's all good. You know what they say. You know, <sighs> if you love something, let it go, and if it comes back, then it's yours. It's funny. I don't know if you remember, but I had for a short period. I had a. Um, uh, this kind of brings us towards the end of the show, anyway. So I'll. Talk it about is definitely that, towards the end of the show. I can feel it. <laughs> that left me and was, uh, uh, and so tonight when I was out at the open mic, um, I, I saw a guitar on stage. I was like, the guitar that one of the guitar the guys was playing was the Phil Collin model that I used to have. Remember that guitar. It's a it's a great guitar and it sounds great in his hands. It didn't sound great with me. I I didn't I didn't bond with it. Um, now that said, um, it, it's a killer guitar. It's Phil Collin, full on Phil Collin, made in Japan. You know, um, I don't remember the the one he he did some mods to it, um, made it sound really good. And then what did he do? He was playing it through an acoustic amp, not an acoustic guitar amp, the but brand an name acoustic amp. Yeah. And it hey. sounded like a wet blanket, like somebody pissed on a blanket and then threw the blanket over the amplifier. It was so bad. Great. I hate those amps. I hate. The, let me. It, uh, it, is everybody listening? Am I? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I fucking hate those amps. Like really bad. They. Jim, I don't think suck. you like those amps very much. No, I. Yeah, yeah. I probably. No, I don't not like them. I fucking hate them. I mean, they're, they're just <laughs> awful. 
just awful. I have never heard anybody get a good tone, including that guy, out of that amp. It just sounds like a woolly blanket. I just, oh. If you're looking for a good, um, a really good, uh, you know, budget amp, don't buy one of those fucking things. I don't care was if it's it on a, sale for was $20. It one of the re, was it one of the reissue ones or was it one of the originals? No, it's one of the brand new ones. And it's, Oh, yeah. And it was a, a two by 12. It was as big as my Fender twin. Well, you know, more speakers is more important than the quality of the actual amplifier. Didn't you hear? I wanted to say to him, I wanted to say, you want me to drive home, grab my twin and put it up there because you'll sound like 10 times better. Do do you know what what kills me? So this is this is my final thought of the show. When somebody thinks that having the Marshall solid state head, the MG head, the hundred watt, with a four by twelve or two four by twelve cabinets on stage, is superior to spending the same amount of money to get a Marshall, you know, whatever combo, yep, with tubes. Yep. Um, that's like, you know, for the same amount of money. Cause you, cause you can get the, the MG, I think the, the 412 cabinets are 250 a piece. So that's 500 bucks. The head itself, I believe is 400. So that would be, you know, you're looking at 900 bucks. You can get a lot of Marshall for, for 900 bucks. Yeah. Either and for, or new with tubes right. for a little less money. Great. That's right. For a little less money, you could get the DSL 40 C R. Seven hundred fifty yeah, bucks. You could save two hundred fifty bucks. Buy yourself right. a nice tuner. That's right. Buy yourself, <laughs> buy yourself, buy yourself something nice. As as uh, cousin Eddie yeah. said in in uh, Christmas vacation. Buy yourself, buy yourself something, something, something nice, nice, Clark. Clark. <laughs> you need to buy yourself something <laughs> real nice, Clark. Buy yourself something real nice. <laughs> Uh, that was so funny. I almost died when he did that. I was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he just did that." Do you know what's funny? It's such a like, funny movie. No, I'm not going to go there because I, I'm not going to go there. There, there, there's too much similarity between that person and other people in my life. That oh yeah, he's definitely my brother Leon. He's he's my brother Leon all the way through. <sighs> Shitter's full. <laughs> all right, I've been David. I've been Jim. And tonight we've been the Practical Guitarists. Yes, we have. Cue the music. <laughs>